You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Why and Who? Part 5. Enjoy. If you don't hear the truth about who he really is, your faith's going to be kind of twisted. Okay? So faith comes by hearing. So if I want to have a relationship with the real Jesus, I need to hear the words that describe to me who he really is and that describe to me what he's done for me through his ministry, his scourging, his crucifixion, his burial, his descent into hell and his ascension into heaven. I need to learn about that so that I can have a vibrant, real, life-transforming, healing, never-be-the-same-again relationship with him. Okay? Hearing the real words about Jesus can be challenging because there's a lot of religious ideas out there. So we're here at Highway Church to provide a place where people can come and hear the Bible taught not based on a seminary philosophy, not based on man's religious ideas, but based on the person and ministry of Jesus as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Okay? People need to hear a voice in their life that brings liberty and healing. And they're looking all around for it. Well, that voice is the Word of God. Unfortunately, the Word of God is often mistaught and ends up confusing people instead of setting them free. For example, we're letting people know at Highway Church that God does not cause sickness, nor does He allow it. We're letting people know God doesn't cause bad things to happen, nor does he allow bad things to happen. That might be a shocker, because I've heard that. I've, I've been taught that from, from ministries and churches. But when I started reading about Jesus, I thought, wait a minute. I look at the ministry of Jesus, I see that he didn't make one person sick, right? He didn't cause one bad thing to happen to anyone. Even when his disciples wanted to send lightning down on some people, right, he corrected them. He said, that's not God, God's God. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate that way. The Holy Spirit doesn't send tsunamis on people to judge them. America hasn't seen the judgment of God, nor has any nation where a tragedy has happened. That's not the judgment of God. Right? We know that the curse of sin is upon the earth. And that's, that's messed everything up. Right? That's just a reality. The Bible teaches us that. We know that Satan stole the authority that God gave to man over the earth. So Satan became the God of this world. And boy, everything changed when that happened. Everything changed, right? And we know also that we have a free will, that we, that we are not robots. Who would want to be married to a robot? Would you want to be married to a robot? I wouldn't. Why? Because real love needs a real person, right? Real love needs real freedom. So God has made us free beings to say and believe whatever we want. But what we say and believe can either bring life or death. So we need to, to speak life and believe life. And we've learned in this series that the faith life is not an autopilot life, right? We're not on autopilot. Our clutch is engaged, remember? We're going to the next gear and to the next gear. We're going higher. Our hearts are engaged, we're, we're, we're connected with Christ. We're locked in to his promises, and we're going higher. Um, we're letting people know how to live by faith, okay? It's a life of faith. 
And it's a life of victory that through Christ, we have victory over macular degeneration. We have victory over herniated discs. We have a victory over, over anything that the enemy would try and bring into our lives to, to hinder us or cripple us. Jesus came that we would be whole, okay? And that's just the simple gospel. He came that we might have life and life abundantly. So I want to read something to you from an email that I got that it was uh, from Joseph Prince Ministries I thought was excellent. Uh, it's called Daily Grace Inspirations. It's a free email. Um, so you can go to his website, josephprinceministries.org. I'm not sure what it is. Just Google it. And uh, under one of the tabs at the top, it's a free email that you can sign up for. I signed up for a while ago. But boy, they're just so good, these little snippets that come each day, and they're called uh, Daily Grace Inspirations. But he said something about this because this, and, and really the stronghold that we're dismantling, we started a few weeks ago, is this idea that God causes bad things to happen or God quote unquote allows them, which he does not, or that God is in control of everything. He's not. God is not controlling what's going on in the earth, okay? I mean, I remember just talking with Rosie, she, just, she shared so simply with me. She says, this makes sense. It does, you know, but you have to kind of step away from the religious ideas and say, wait a minute, a good father like Matthew 7, 9 through 11, a good father helps and heals and does good to his children, right? I mean, that's, that's as common sense as you can get. That's why we like go to Jesus to learn about who God is. So God's not in control of the earth. He's not controlling everything and he's not causing bad things to happen. But this is what the email uh, said. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just take a couple snippets here. But the scripture that he used was Matthew Snuggets. That's a new word Jennifer taught me. Yeah, it's a snippet and a nugget, right? It's a snugget. So, uh, yeah, Mariah taught me a new word today, uh, or this week, bruh. I'll have to try and use that one too. Snug, it's a snugget, bruh. So I'm adding bruh to my vocabulary to increase the nerd to coolness, or coolness to nerd ratio, so... So uh, Matthew 2.13 says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise. So who's this? Joseph is, right? Mary's husband, right? The the kind of, uh, what would you say, the uh, adopted dad of Jesus. Arise, take the young child, the chosen dad of Jesus. Uh, Arise, take the young child and his mother. Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. That's Matthew 2.13. We can see a, boy, a lot in that scripture. So here we have a young couple, right, that, that has just gotten married, but there's something very unique about this couple, right? The wife was impregnated by the Holy Spirit with the Messiah before they were married, okay? These are two people that have a relationship with God. And, uh, and this isn't all in the email. I'm just talking about verse 13 here. But we see Joseph... Uh, must have been in bed at night, and, and a dream comes to him. The Holy Spirit is speaking to him through this angel and tells him to arise and take this young child uh, and, to, and to flee to Egypt. Why? Well, because God's will automatically happens. No, of course not. He wouldn't have had to take Jesus away. Why would God be trying to kill his own Messiah that he just brought into the earth through a virgin? That's how this religion teaching is so foolish. Right? So, so God is causing uh, Herod to want to kill the Messiah? I don't think so. Religious teaching just doesn't make sense. This is, that's the same thing as people telling you that God is causing what's going on in the earth, the bad things. doesn't make any sense. Why would a good father do that? He wouldn't. All right? So we see a lot just in this one verse that lets us know that we've got to listen to the Lord. 
He wants us to avoid danger, right? He wants us to be safe, right? So he spoke to Joseph. What if Joseph would have said, eh, we'll be all right. We're just going to stay here and make do. But he didn't. Why? Because he knew he needed God in his life, that he didn't know it all, and that if the God spoke to him, he needed to follow that. I love the relationship that Joseph and Mary had with God the Father. It's very powerful. Moving right along. So he, he obeyed the Lord, and he fleed, and what happened? Herod did what the angel told him was going to do. Now, this is what Joseph uh, Prince said. I'll just read a couple paragraphs. He said, God does not play a game of counterattack with the devil. Amen. In other words, the devil does something bad, then God steps in to bring something good out of it. Mm-mm. No, that's not how it works. The truth is, when something bad happens, it is the devil reacting to something good that God has started. It's a different way of looking at things. The Lord once told me, this is Joseph talking, uh, Prince, not the husband of Mary. (laughs) The Lord once told me, tell my people that if they want to understand what I'm doing, just look at what the devil is doing and see it in reverse. (laughs) That's what I'm doing multiplied many times over. Boy, is that good. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you see the horrible effects of sickness in people's lives? God's doing the opposite of that many times over. He's healing and making whole. Okay? I see this truth in the Bible. When Christ was born, soldiers were sent to kill all baby boys under the age of two in Bethlehem. Because God's not in control of what's going on in the earth. The folks in Bethlehem then would have seen only evil. You can imagine what that would be like. But there were those like Mary and Joseph who saw God's goodness. They knew that God had sent a Savior into the world. The killing of the infants was just the devil's reaction to the gift of salvation that God had sent. Isn't that good? That's how we see things. We see things through the reality of the goodness of God. So I want to challenge you to begin looking at everything through the goodness of God. And if it's not good, it's not from God. And through faith in Christ, you have authority over that to kick that out of your life. Okay? Hallelujah. So we talked about a common purpose, who we are at Highway Church. We have a common purpose. It's Philippians 3.10. Our our determined purpose is to know Him more every day. That's what we're all about. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we started the church. We want to experience more of Jesus every day. We want to become more intimate with him. We want to progressively taste the wonders of his person more every day. We're not satisfied with just a little bit. We want more, okay, because we love him more than anyone or anything, all right? And because of this purpose that we have, it makes us different. So we gleefully, gladly, joyfully, happily throw out and discard any beliefs that we may have, any conclusions that we may have come to that don't agree with the goodness of God, that don't agree with the person and ministry of Jesus as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, okay? It's not my idea of Jesus. It's not your idea of Jesus. It's it's in the Bible. 
It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, okay? So we don't have to wonder about what God is like. It's all written down for us. Isn't that great? And I know the Bible's been mistaught, and, and there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that, that is misunderstood, but God is good, okay? And if you come long enough, eventually we'll probably hit one of the issues that you're wondering about. I mean, you can't cover any, everything in one, two, three, or even ten messages. But suffice it to say, interpret the Scriptures through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ, okay? We need the light of Christ to understand the Old Testament. We need the light of Christ to understand the epistles. <laughs> and the epistles also kind of shine light on the ministry of Christ. It's amazing how it works. We really need the whole thing. To, but Jesus is the key that unlocks it all. All right? So we know that we can't hold on to wrong conclusions and wrong ideas and wrong beliefs and have more of Jesus at the same time. You can't do it. It blocks our relationship. It hinders that intimacy. With him. So there are many believers around the world, and all they believe is they're going to heaven when they die. And I mean, and that's the greatest of all God's provisions for our lives. To be in heaven is beyond what we could ever imagine or describe. But the reality is He's provided a life for us now, a victorious and abundant life now, that He wants us to live now. He has daily provision for you now. Because he wants people to, to, to experience his love in a very real way, okay? Not just when they get to heaven, okay? So we want to discard quickly wrong beliefs or conclusions, even if, you know, a, a major uh, denomination or a, a steamed established seminary or has, has preached these things that don't al align with the ministry of Jesus, we... We get them right out of there because we want Jesus more, okay? And we're not afraid of being considered outcasts, right, or getting kicked out of, of an organization. We want Jesus, okay? We want him more. And when it's all said and done, that's what's going to count when it's all said and done, right? All right, so our relationship with God is based on this, the person and ministry of Jesus and knowing him more. And we embrace this transformation that takes place when we discard of wrong beliefs and trust in the real Jesus. I like how Isaiah described it in chapter 40, verse 31. He said, those who trust in you, those who look to him, trust in him, hope in him, will exchange their strength for his strength. They'll soar on wings. They'll mount up close to God like eagles. They'll run and they won't get tired. They'll walk and they won't grow weary. We had a, a family member uh, or someone that had said uh, recently to, to uh, Jennifer, uh, have you started feeling aches and pains when you get up in the morning yet? That reveals a lot of thinking, doesn't it? But that's common, isn't it? That as I... As I Grow older, you know, this is just to be expected. Who told you that? Holy Spirit didn't. Right? Under the old covenant, we're under a new covenant that's infinitely better. Under the old covenant, we see that Moses lived to 120, perfect eyesight, full of strength. His strength was not abated. That's old covenant. He didn't have the Holy Spirit inside him. He wasn't born again. He didn't have the finished work of Christ. We see Caleb that says, I'm as strong now at 85 when I was when I was 40. 
Psalm, Psalm 103 tells us, and I think it's Job 33, that he renews our youth. The different way of living. So what do we expect as the, as the calendar goes by? More strength. I'm stronger now than I've ever been. Just had a birthday. Just turned 48. Stronger than I've ever been. I used to be very weak and very sickly. I'm getting stronger each day. I'm expecting that. Any thought or, or anything contrary to that that tries to enter my life gets stomped on immediately. Because I've, I'm studying the finished work of Christ. And that's my reality. Okay? Hey, Facebook, how you guys doing? We're going live on Facebook, by the way. You guys good today? I can't hear. Okay, good. We love you guys on Facebook. Thanks for joining us. And uh, stay with us. This is going to get real good real fast. So, hallelujah. So, are you ready for this? Seatbelts are on. Religious goggles are off. Earbuds, religious earbuds are out. We don't let our experience determine our expectation. We don't do that. We don't let what we've been through form our picture of God because of all the things we said earlier, right? Uh, the, the earth is under the curse of sin. Satan's the God of this world. Man has a free will, okay? We form our expectations and our picture of God from the person and ministry of Jesus, okay? I like Psalm 62.5. This has been a great encouragement to me in my life. It says, my soul, wait thou only upon God. Why? For my expectation is from Reader's Digest. No, my expectation is from Him. Not Dr. Phil. It's from Him. Right? It's not. Not putting anyone down, but my expectation is from Him, okay? My expectation is from who He is, what He's done for me through Christ, and who I now am in Christ. That's where my expectation, that's where my worldview, my life perspective comes from. It's my everything. That's who we are at Highway Church. So we don't let what we've experienced determine our expectation, and, and we don't let our experience limit our expectation. Okay? What we've been through is, does not determine what our future is going to be like. Because we're grabbing a hold of the finished work of Christ. We're, we're different people now. We're changing the way we think. We're out with the wrong ideas, in with the reality of Jesus, right? So at Highway Church, we're diligent to study the person and ministry of Jesus. And we learn the goodness of God through Jesus. We learn the will of God through Jesus. And then we, we enforce His will in our lives. Because we know it doesn't automatically happen, okay? So we've been looking at a scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And then we're going to look, look at some examples of how faith behaves. But let's look at this again in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Because many, many uh, believers are frustrated because they think God's will automatically happens. And boy, you're going to be confused if that's the case, because it doesn't. Just because God has provided forgiveness of our sins doesn't mean that we automatically go around with a clear conscience or that we automatically never face condemnation again. You have to know that you're clean because of the blood of Jesus and that there is no more condemnation for you ever again. Even if you totally blow it, there's no condemnation for you. 
Why? Well, how do I know that? The ministry of Jesus. What did he say to the woman that was caught in adultery? Yeah, before that, he said, where are your accusers, right? They're not condemning you and neither do I. Woo, boy, do people need to hear that. God doesn't condemn you. God, 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 God is not uh, examining your behavior and, and rendering unto you some kind of punishment or reward accordingly. No, God loves you and he gave his son so that regardless of your behavior, you can be new. You can be forgiven. You can, you can become his child and enjoy life with him. So at Highway Church, we're not walking around examining our behavior with a magnifying glass, okay? We're examining Jesus with a magnifying glass, right? You know, when they brought the sacrifice in the Old Testament, the priest didn't examine the person. He examined the sacrifice. It was a sacrifice that needed to be spotless, not the person. Hasn't religion got it backwards? They tell you, you need to be spotless so you can come to God. No, Jesus was spotless so you can come to God. So our relationship with God is based on a spotless sacrifice, and his name is Jesus. So no matter what we've done, our conscience is clear. Now, if we've messed up, we, we, we say, you know, Father, forgive me, or if we've hurt someone else, we, we get it right, right? We ask them to forgive us, and, and we, we turn towards God, and we do our best to do what's right, okay? But we don't go walking around with guilt or condemnation. That was not going to help us anyway, all right? Ooh, there's so much inside. Let's see how we can get it all out here. Okay. Matthew eleven twelve. This is Jesus talking. Now, the context of this is very powerful. Uh, we don't have time to go into all of it. But they came to the, the, John the Baptist was in prison at this point. Okay. And uh, the, the disciples of John, were, he said, go to, go to him and ask him, is he, the, is he the one? You can read that on your own. I wouldn't have time to get into it. So John was kind of wondering. You know, he had been through some stuff. He's in prison. And now he's going, is, is he the one, right? Is the same John, the Baptist, that saw him and said, behold, the lamb, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, right? And so Jesus, he says earlier in there, tell them what you see. You read that? And he says, you see the blind see, the, the, what does he say, the deaf healed? He's talking about the healings that he's done. What is he doing? He sets the captives free. God looks at sickness as a captivity and a bondage. And so he says, tell, tell John what you see. And boy, I wish we don't have time to go into it, but it ties in with a number of scriptures where Jesus talks about himself uh, disarming the strong man, Satan, and plundering his goods. So it's within that context that we have verse 12. All right, he's like, tell John what you see. I'm, the one, I'm healing the sick. The sick are being set and free. Right? The devil's being defeated. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Okay? From the days of John the Baptist, he, he brings up John because that's what the, that's triggered this whole statement. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, which means there's resistance to it, right? Which means it doesn't automatically happen, okay? And forceful men lay hold of it. So we learn when we look at the ministry of Jesus, there are forces of darkness in the earth that are opposing God's will for your life, okay? And we looked at the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says this, and the violent have been seizing it by force. And that word hapazo in the Greek that we, it's translated here as seizing it by force, it means to seize, to catch away, to pluck, to pull, and to take by force. Now, let's get into this a little deeper. Satan and his demons, I know this might sound like a fairy tale or some kind of a, a cop-out, but Satan is real, okay? And, and believing that he's not real doesn't make him go away. All it does is keep me in the dark 
and, and, and leave doors open for him to do what he wants to do in my life, okay? Remember, we know that what we believe doesn't make something true because Jesus is truth, right? He's true whether I believe in him or not. So what I believe doesn't determine what's true, but what I believe does determine how much truth I'm going to experience. You see the difference? Okay. So Satan and his demons, are you ready for this? They have schemes to steal, kill, and destroy you. True. Nothing to be afraid of, but you do need to be aware of it. Let me say that again. Satan and his demons have schemes to steal, kill, and destroy you and me. Why? He hates us. Why? Because God loves us so much. And he doesn't understand why. So he's got these schemes. And again, I'm not saying this to make anyone afraid, but we don't want to be ignorant of his schemes. And we certainly don't want to be preaching his schemes are from God. Woo! People got in big trouble for that when they accused Jesus of that. Remember what he said? I won't call it. He talked about blaspheming the Holy Spirit because they said he was healing by the power of Satan. I don't want to go there. But I've heard people accusing the works of Satan as something God was doing. Mm -mm, Not here. So Satan wants you to experience the effects of the curse of sin. He wants you to be condemned and to be judged accordingly. Okay? But Jesus in Galatians 3.13 says he took the curse of sin, Galatians 3.13, He redeemed us from the curse of sin because he took it upon himself on the cross. So we are now justified. We are now exempt from the judgment of God. Okay? Regardless of what the law says, we're not under the law. Did a pastor just say that? Yeah, because it's true. What are we under? Grace. There are people get mad today that you shouldn't be preaching that. That's the gospel. That's the, what else are we going to preach? Where is that at in the Bible? We're not under law but under grace. Romans, what is it? Is it 6 or 8? I'll find it. Let me know. It's in there. Right? For sin shall not be your master, for you are not under law but under grace. Right? All right, so Satan's got these schemes. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Holy Spirit through Paul says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us. So who's behind these religious teachings? Spirits of darkness. If I believe that God is teaching me something through this sickness, I'm certainly not going to be healed of it. Right? If I believe that God caused something to my loved one, my whole image of God is going to change. In order that Satan might not outwit us, so we're not going to believe that anymore. For we are not unaware of his schemes. Well, Jesus made it very simple, didn't he, in John 10.10? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, you might have life and life abundantly. So this idea that God causes sickness or God causes bad things to happen or God's will automatically happens is a scheme of the enemy to keep people in bondage, and to distort people's image of God. And what happens is you, you, you believe this, and boy, you want to know God. You feel guilty because 
Then you think God's punishing me, and you just don't know what to do. You want to keep coming to church, but they're telling you this stuff that you're just wrestling. Well, I thought God was good. Why is he doing this to me? And you get mad inside, but you don't want anyone to know because you want them to think you're a good person, and you want to come to church. You want to serve God, but it just gets to be a bondage. It's like, what do I do? Right? You, you realize that the, the, the scheme of the enemy is to distort your image of God. Confusion, exactly. I, how can I be married to someone if I don't know them? Our relationship with Jesus is likened unto a marriage. You've got to know him if you want a good marriage. Can you imagine if I was married to Jennifer and the whole time I thought she was a Russian spy? Wouldn't that change our relationship? It would. Are you? <laughs> no, but it, would, it would change the way I think. Like she would say something to me like, oh, why don't we go out to dinner on Friday? I'd be like, hmm, what's she mean by that? Okay, I'll go out with you. Then I might take some precautions, you know, like call some of my friends, be at this restaurant at 7 o'clock. I'm going out to dinner with Jennifer. And I don't know what's going to happen. You, it just it messes the whole thing up if you don't know the one you're in relationship with. You can't hear their invitations correctly. You misunderstand, right? And, and you can't go where they want you to go. Jesus heard the, or Joseph heard the instruction of his father, and he got out of that dangerous situation, right? And so if you don't know the nature of your father, you can't have a good relationship with him. Hallelujah. So if we think these wrong thoughts that God causes these things and God's will automatically happens, it puts us in a different mode. It puts us in a passive mode instead of a proactive mode. Faith is not passive. It's not. Faith is proactive, aggressive. Faith has this nature about it where it simply refuses to be denied. And we're going to look at some examples of this. But first, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Receive from the Lord this morning, Okay. This isn't a sermon. We're worshiping the Lord with his word, okay? We're, we're dereligified folks, right? We're here to worship the Lord, and we're doing it through faith in who he is, okay? So we're not sitting in church. We are the church, right? We're in the presence of the Lord, being strengthened, being, being, uh, grow, growing stronger, experiencing his healing power. We're getting answers from the Holy Spirit right now. Verse 11 Put on the full armor of God. Wow. Why would we need to do that if his will automatically happens? You wouldn't, right? And you just read the Bible and you start to see, wow, this thing, this is just not of God, this idea. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Wow. Yeah, there's that. What is that? The, the NIV and against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, so there's a struggle. The Bible teaches, and this may not be popular, but there is an actual war happening, not against people, but in the spirit realm. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, okay? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Wow, what a way to describe earth. You remember I said the only reason we think that 
sunsets are so pretty now is because we didn't see what the earth was like when it was first created before the fall. If we could see what the earth was like before the fall, we would be horrified by its current condition because it's not even close to what it was like then, okay? So the Bible calls it a dark world. (laughs) And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, this word scheme, I I like to study words. The word scheme, straight from the dictionary, means this. A large-scale, systematic plan. The devil's scheme. The devil has a large-scale, it's worldwide, systematic plan. And I'm amazed, I don't know, I've probably maybe been to 15 or so different countries, that people really are people wherever you go, and the same wrong thinking is wherever you go. It's knowing the goodness of God that changes people. No matter what country you're in, no matter where you live, it's the goodness of God that transforms us. So a scheme is a large-scale, systematic plan, strategy, and tactic. Have you noticed the Bible is overloaded, or, or full, not overloaded, but full of military terminology? Why? Is that just something to motivate us? No, there's a war going on. The war is not between Satan and God, okay? Satan's not fighting against God. He, did, he tried that, and he, he was struck down by like a lightning bolt to the earth. Jesus tells us. That's how long his rebellion took, right? The war is between Satan and you. He can't come at God directly. He has no option there. But he can confuse you if you let him. Very important to understand this. We're not going to be outwitted by him. So the war is not between God and Satan. It's between you and him, me and him. Okay? Understand that? You're the object of his hatred. Good to know this stuff. Not to be afraid, we need to be aware. If someone's trying to take me out, I want to know who they are and where they're at and how they operate so I can keep them from doing what they're trying to do. Now, are you ready for this? So this word scheme comes from the Latin and the Greek schema. And it has this sense of a diagram of the position of celestial objects. A scheme. It's a diagram of where your enemy is at. What did the verse 12 say? Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When you study the goodness of God and the promises of God, you will begin to get a clear picture of where your enemy is at. You'll begin to plot his points on a map in your life. This diagram of what he, who he is and how he operates will begin to unfold before you, and there's things you won't put up with anymore. We're not talking about people. We're talking about spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. You begin to see this diagram. Oh, man, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm not going to accept that anymore. And his work is going to be exposed in your life through faith in the promises of God. So what's Satan's position in your life? Hey, if you're in Christ, his position in your life is under your feet. It is. He's not going to tell you that, but it is. Now, the Amplified says it this way, verse 11, chapter 6 of Ephesians. Put on God's whole armor. (laughs) The armor of a heavy-armed soldier. This sounds serious. God's not kidding around, is it? 
He wants you to be safe. The armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies. How does God supply us with this armor? Through faith in His Word. And I want you to know this. This is a place where you can come to get your armor on. You will be equipped by coming to Highway Church to stand strong and resist the devil. Part of, of my calling is to help you get your armor on. Okay? And we're going to do it. Put on the whole armor of God. You don't want to have your chest plate on and then leave your knees exposed. Right? You would need the whole thing. He wants your spirit, soul, and body covered. All right? That you may be able successfully. So God wants us to be successful. Right? Can we, can we infer that? No real inference there, is it? Just stated obviously, right? That you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies, all the plots and points on a map that the enemy's trying to get you in. All the strategies and the deceits of the devil. So what happens if I don't put my armor on? I'm not going to be successful against the schemes of the devil. I'm telling you, there are some naked Christians in the earth. Not only do they have armor on, they don't have any clothes on. I mean, they, they haven't even clothed themselves with the, the, some of the fundamental provisions of Jesus, you know? So Christianity is not a nudist colony. We need to have our clothes on. We need to have our armor on, okay? Because we're in enemy territory, right? Now, before the fall, they didn't wear any clothes. Right? They, they were experiencing the glory of God in a very different way. Their bodies were immortal. But listen, we're in a battle now. We need armor on. All right? We need armor on. <laughs> oh, it's good to laugh. The Weiss translation, verse 11. I like this. Clothe your... There you go. That's good. Clothe yourselves. <laughs> we're just having fun. That's all. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God. To the end that you will be able to hold your ground. Wow. So there's something that belongs to you, isn't there? Many Christians don't realize where their ground is and what belongs to them. So that you'll be able to hold your ground against the strategies of the devil. Well, what is your ground? How am I going to hold my ground if I don't know what it is? Your ground is is all that God the Father has provided for you through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's your ground. God's provision for your life is your ground that we are protecting and keeping the enemy from stealing from us. Okay? Let's see here. What do I think we're going to do? I think we're going to get through this here. Let's look at the Phillips New Testament. Of verse 11. Put on God's complete armor. I like that. What, what's uh, 1 John? The 1 John 3 2 says, Beloved, I, I, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Right? Complete, spirit, soul, and body. Put on God's complete armor so that you can successfully resist all the devil's methods of attack. <laughs> That's so good. For our fight is not against any physical enemy. It's not going to do you any good to fight with a person. Okay? 
The fight we have, it's a good fight of faith, and it's with spirits of darkness. It's against organizations and powers that are spiritual. We are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world. Hello. So what's controlling this world? Organizations and powers of darkness, according to the Bible. And why would a minister ever say that God is controlling what's going on in the earth? The Bible doesn't even come close to teaching that. Okay, what's controlling the earth? Spirits of darkness. We just read the Bible, right? We're just reading the Bible. We're not trying to create a new doctrine here, but the Bible tells us that. As the little girl said, right? I know Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so, right? Yes, Jesus loves me. So now, okay, uh, okay, there we go. We are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world. So God's complete armor. Let me ask you this question. What is the armor of God made of? The Word of God. God's Word is your armor. And it's the only thing that works in this fight. It's it. There's not another option. Okay? I like how Psalm 91.4 says it. Grab this one. This is a New Living Translation. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Put on the whole armor of God. That means if it's a promise in the Bible, I'm putting it on. Leave that up there for a moment. His faithful promises. What does 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, yeah, chapter 1, verse 4 says um, that through his precious and magnificent promises, we become partakers of his nature? What's the other scripture that I was thinking about his promises? Uh, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ. God wants you to be decked out to the nines with his promises. All right? So we are diligent. We fill our minds and hearts daily with the promises of God. Proverbs 4.23 says, They are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Who was I just listening to? Um, I think it was a, another minister uh, talking about, I think it was Derek Prince who was in World War II, who was a minister, you may know him, he's in heaven now. But he was in World War II, I think in, was it South Africa? Or maybe it was the northern, in the continent of Africa. I don't remember, the nation of South Africa. But anyway, wherever he was on the continent of Africa, he had, uh, had contracted some type of disease during the war, and he was in, uh, in, sick in, in bed. And um, they, gave, they gave him this stuff that he was to take four times a day and he was there for weeks, and it just wasn't working. And he was, it was getting worse, and, and he was reading his Bible, and he read Proverbs 4.23. It said, your words are life to those who find them and health to all their whole flesh. And he started to believe that. And he said, well, if God's word is health to my whole body, I'm going to take it four times a day. So instead of taking what, was, what, what he had been taking for the however many weeks it was, and didn't fix them. During when that time came, he got into the Word and began to speak it over his body. And within a very short period of time, he fully recovered. 
And the medication he was taking was Proverbs 4.23. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's amazing what happens when you actually believe it. All right. So uh, now let's look at second. Let's see. I'm just watching the clock and make sure we get all this in. Okay. So God's word is our armor and protection. And faith in his word or faith in his promises activates his armor in our lives, all right? So coming to church doesn't activate it. Being the member of a religious organization doesn't activate it. Saying a prayer 10 years ago doesn't activate it. It's faith now that activates it and keeps it activated, okay? So some people think, well, you know, I prayed that prayer 10 years ago or, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. That doesn't mean a whole lot when we're talking about this spiritual battle. You have to engage in the promises of God now. You have to know them. You have to meditate on them. You have to speak them over your life, and you have to believe them in your heart each and every day. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean we, we go through Genesis to Revelation every day, but what it does mean is you, I, I've did this, started doing this in my life years ago. You take the categories of life, you know, health, wisdom, education, um, provision, and you find promises in the Word of God for every area of your life. And then you learn those and you meditate on them. And the Holy Spirit will lead you. There'll be a time you need a promise of wisdom. And because you've been depositing that inside of you, it'll rise up when you need it. You know, that God is, Jesus has been made unto us wisdom from God or whatever the need may be. All right? So faith in his promises activates his word. And isn't Jesus the word anyway? We could say Jesus is our armor, couldn't we? Right? He's not our armor bearer. He's our armor. Because he's the word. And what does it say in Ephesians? It starts listing the armor. What's the first one? The belt of truth. Well, what did Jesus say? I am the truth, right? John 17, 17, he said, your word is truth. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word with God, the word was God's Jesus. So the belt, Jesus is our belt of truth, right? We keep him firmly secure around our core, right? What's the next one that lists in Ephesians? You know, breastplate of righteousness. Isn't Jesus our righteousness? Right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How did I know that? Because I put that in me over and over and over again so that I can enjoy the righteousness I've been given and not live my life in condemnation anymore. Okay? He's a breastplate of righteousness. What's Isaiah 54.17 say? That, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Why? Because their righteousness is from me. Right? How about the next one it lists in Ephesians? Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from what? What what enables our feet to take action? The good news of God's peace. Isn't that what it says in Ephesians? The gospel of peace. What's that word in the Greek? Irene. Wholeness. To be set at one again. The good news that God has provided wholeness for me came that might have life and life abundantly. Gives strength to my feet to get up and to walk and live the life God has come has come and given his son for it so that I can live. Right? Feet fitted with the readiness or the proactiveness. That's how faith behaves. Faith is proactive. It's actively moving forward. And, and what we're walking on, what gives our feet the strength, is the goodness of God, right? John 14, 27, Jesus said, My irene, my peace, my wholeness, I give to you. So he's our peace. What about the shield of faith? Jesus is our faith. 
I love how Paul said it. I think the King James said it this way. Um, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life that I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Let Jesus be your faith. And it won't be a struggle anymore. He really is everything. Isn't he everything? So he's our shield of faith, right? And, uh, and that extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one. Because right? the devil wants you, to, you to, to rely on yourself to be all these things, but you can't. Helmet of salvation. What does our helmet cover? Right? Our head, our mind. And what does 1 Corinthians 2.16 say? We've been given the mind of Christ. Yeah, to so see his faithful promises, our armor and protection. 2 Timothy 1.17 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yeah, sword of the Spirit, right? What's the sword of the Spirit? The Word, John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus is the Word. So Jesus is it. He's our armor. He's our, he's our helmet. He's our sword. He's our shield. He's our readiness. Uh, he's, our, he's our belt of truth. He's our breastplate of righteousness. Now, let's look at some examples in the Bible of faith in action. All right? It's good. You know, like you want to, so I was just talking to someone, they tell me they want to learn to crochet or knit, and they go, you go on YouTube, and there's just a ton of videos. It's good to see faith in action, right? So Bible is kind of like the original YouTube. You know, we've got all kinds of videos in here where we can, we can go and see faith in action. All right? So let's do it. Let's take a look at this, because this is how faith behaves. Faith is not a fond hope for something. It's not like, oh, I really wish that could happen. That's not faith. Faith is not wishing upon a star. It's not a lucky charm. Bible faith is being sure and certain. Okay? I can't be sure and certain of my wife if she's a Russian spy. Right? You got to know who he is to be sure and certain. Faith comes from knowing who he is. It comes automatically. So I don't spend time trying to develop my faith. I spend time meditating on who he is. And the faith comes naturally. People have made faith their objective. Faith is not our objective. Knowing him is our objective. Right? I have faith in my wife. I've never tried to have faith in my wife. Right? It comes naturally because I know my wife. All right? Hallelujah. And with faith comes this tenacity, this refusal to give up any ground, this refusal to have anything other than Jesus. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 15, start in verse 21. This is faith right here. This is our YouTube, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and X. Then Jesus went thence... Nice word, thence. Have you ever gone thence? King James, you got to love it. And departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. What does that mean? Some translations say Syrophoenician woman. This woman had no covenant with God. She did not know the law. She wasn't under the law. Okay, she was not an Israelite. She came out of the same coast and cried unto Jesus saying, have mercy on me, O Lord. But look, she recognized him as a son of David. Interesting. O thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So not only did she recognize him as a son of David, she recognized that devil is contrary to who he is. 
Two very important things. You've got to recognize him for who he is and know what's not from him. So she came to him because what was not from him was in her daughter's life, and she knew he could fix that. All right? But he answered her not a word. What happened to God's will being done automatically? Not in the Bible. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She's crying out after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus was in a very unique role during Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He was the Lamb of God. He's, not, he, he's always the Lamb of God, but he's in a different role now. Right? He's our mediator. He's the ascended Messiah now. All right, so verse 25, Then came she and worshipped him. This is faith in action. Right? She could have walked away. Why? She knew he was good in the midst of this crowd, in the midst of his staff telling her to get lost, she could have said, maybe it's him that brought this devil into my daughter's life, right? Fine, I'm out of here. But she knew better. She had a lot of opportunities to believe other things. We don't know how long her daughter was in this condition. Hallelujah. She comes and she worships him saying, Lord, right? She's recognizing his authority. Help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat, in the King James, that's M-E-E, means proper. It is not proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, this is an interesting statement, but what is he referring to the children's bread? What does she want in this situation? He wants her daughter to be healed, right? So according to Jesus, he sees healing as a basic fundamental for his children, just like bread. It's a, it's a basic provision of God for the rest of your life. Bread and water, right? And she says to him, look, I mean, she had another opportunity. She could have got confused. What? You know, well, what am I going to do then? I'm not, I'm not an Israelite. I, what am I, a dog? I, I don't understand this. She knew he was good. She knew he wasn't insulting her. She knew there must be something more to what he's saying. That's why the Bible is so often mistaught because it's not understood. You can't understand a letter from someone if you don't know the heart of the one who wrote it. You can't understand the Bible if you don't know the heart of the one who wrote it. You'll misunderstand it. How did believers become so foreign to the heart of God? We need to change that, and we're doing it. Hallelujah. She said, truth, Lord. You're the truth. I recognize who you are, and everything you say is true. So I know there's something good coming out of this. I know that you're good. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Wow. I love this woman. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman. She's not a dog. He calls her a woman. Oh, woman, great is your confidence in me. And because your confidence in me is sure and certain, be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So many believers never get to this point. They stop along the way and they believe the things that the enemy tells them. But she didn't stop. Matthew 15, 28 in the New King James says this, Great is your faith. Let it be to you 
as you desire. God wants to satisfy your desire. And boy, will he do it if you'll just put your confidence in him and him alone. Now, this lady's famous. I don't know if you know her. There's only two people in the ministry of Jesus that he was impressed by their faith. And she's one of them. Who was the other one? Centurion. And I heard Joseph Prince teach on this. I thought it was excellent. He said, what does the centurion and the Canaan, woman of Canaan, have in common? Yeah, yeah. Neither, they were Gentiles. Neither one of them were religified. They weren't under the law. They didn't have to wade through all this confusion and, and all of the stuff that the Pharisees told them they had to do. They came right to Jesus for the answer. Highway Church, we go right to Jesus. We don't have any religion to wade through, right? It's Jesus and you going through life together. Just Jesus, just you, all right? Hallelujah. So the people who experienced Jesus the most were those who recognized how much they needed him. This woman knew that it had to be him, that she needed him to be, for her daughter to be whole. Oh, boy, we're out of time, I think. Woo! There's so much more. Well, we'll just keep going next week, right? My goodness, let me see if I can squeeze a little bit more in here. All right, we're going to have to get back next week. Boy, it's just so good. So let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. You're, you're so good. You're so kind. You're so kind. And we love you. Lord, continue to do what you're doing in us. We're ready to be changed. We're ready to discard of every wrong belief or conclusion that we've held on to. It doesn't matter how long, because we want more of you. Holy Spirit, we give you full right away to reprogram our thinking. Lord, just to reboot, to, to just to install a new way of thinking in us. Help us uh, meditate in your promises and apply them to every area of our lives to walk through each day with the complete armor of Jesus on and hold our ground and experience the abundant life you came to give us. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.